Hello and welcome to episode 74 of Command Space on 5x5. My name is Mike Hurley and today I am joined by Veronica Belmont. Hi, Veronica. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. Thanks for being here today. Of course. So, Veronica, what do you like to be known for? <laughs> ah, that's an interesting question. Um, wow. Wow, you got you start off strong. Let's see. I I, I don't know. Um there's so many different kinds of things I do. It, it, it's kind of hard to pick just one. Um, I guess, I don't know. What do you know me for? Well, I know you for podcasts like uh, Techzilla mm-hmm. and for being, you know, just awesome on the internet, that sort of stuff. <laughs> sure. Okay. I'll go with that. Awesome on the internet. I like it. That's what we'll run with. That's a pretty We'll, good r- we'll run with that. <laughs> So talking about podcasts, um, my understanding is you started off in CNET, is sort of like your your entry into this this realm, mm-hmm. um, and you started as an intern there, right? Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, that's correct. Um, after I graduated college, I moved out to San Francisco, and uh, within a few months, I, I got an internship over at CNET. And how long were you interning for, and what, what kind of your duties was at CNET? I was mostly doing a lot of web-based audio stuff uh, outside of the realm of podcasting. Like they had a, um, I was working mostly with ZDNet at the time, um, doing kind of like B2B type stuff, uh, including posting whiteboard videos on the web and taking the audio from those and making them available to people who wanted to download them. Um, but it wasn't until a few months later that my boss at the time uh, invited me to come help out doing some of the podcasting uh, production process stuff. So that's that's kind of where I got involved with podcasting. Um, it wasn't initially. It was a few months into my, my career, I guess you could call it, uh, as an intern at CNET. And then after this, you moved on to be a producer full-time there as well, right? Right. I was hired on full-time um, maybe about six months into my internship, and I was producing and editing the first looks from the Lab series, which was about a minute-long uh, video product reviews um, hosted by the editors over at CNET.com. Uh, and at the same time, I was also producing Buzz Out Loud, which was their kind of flagship podcast at the time, um, and, and remained so, really, until until it uh, shut down last year or the year before. And... Um, yeah, that, that's kind of how it all got started. When I when I came on full time, I was able to take on a lot more projects and kind of, you know, adding some of my own creativity into into what I was working on. And then you ended up eventually stepping out in front of the camera. Yes. Um, after I started speaking on Buzz Out Loud, that was kind of an accident in of itself. <laughs> they, uh, Tom Merritt, um, who is my co-host on Sword and Laser today, um, was one of the hosts of Buzz Out Loud alongside Molly Wood. And I had an opinion and kind of pushed my boardside mic and started having that opinion on air um, with permission. <laughs> I, I kind of looked at Tom and was like, can I say something? And he was like, yeah, go ahead. This is our producer, Veronica, who you hear speaking now. He was telling the audience. And uh, from then on, I just kind of started talking a little bit more and more. And then uh, my new boss, uh, after I came on full time, Mark Larkin, asked me if I wanted to try writing and producing segments for CNET TV, uh, which had just kind of re-kicked off. They used to have an actual you know, TV show back in the day, um, but they just rebuilt the studio and were planning on doing a lot more uh, web video content. So you kind and of so that's uh, that's how it started. Yeah, you were kind of like just this disembodied voice initially, and sort of exactly. eased your way into it. <laughs> yes, precisely. <laughs> so after the after sort of being on CNET and being on some of their shows, um, you next moved on to Mahalo Daily, right? Which was your own show that you did on Mahalo, which I'm, I'm not sure if Mahalo is still around. 
Mahalo, I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Mahalo is still around as a website. Um, I don't believe they're doing any more regular video content. Um, they might be, I think they're doing like, not really podcasting, more like YouTube videos, tutorials on sure. how to learn how to do things, um, which is kind of the, the way the show started going after a while. They do a lot of audio podcasts, I believe, and, and video how-tos, but we were kind of like their first daily topical show where we... We just did all sorts of crazy stuff from indoor skydiving to learning how to play guitar to learning how to surf to just just really interesting cultural topics. Um, so that was that was a lot of fun, but I was I felt like I was kind of getting out of the tech space, which was really kind of my passion. Um, so I wanted to after about eight months there, I, I, I told my boss, like, I love doing this show. It's been an awesome opportunity, but I really want to kind of focus on on technology and video games, the things that I feel like, you know, any anyone can do how to videos, general topic type stuff. I felt like my forte was really doing stuff in the tech space. And, that, and that's where I was happiest. That must have been an incredible amount of work creating a daily show like that, just from planning it to actually producing it and getting it out. Yeah, we were a small team too, um, and and most of the shooting was done down in LA. So I was flying from San Francisco every other week almost to go shoot like four or five episodes in, in on one trip, and just try to bank shoot as many as we possibly could. So that was another part of it. It was it was kind of taking a toll on my on my life because yeah. I you know my my boyfriend who is now my husband was here in San Francisco. Um, all my friends are here in San Francisco. I didn't want to move to LA, so it was a lot of travel, and I'll, I'll definitely a lot of hard work what were the like the main lessons that you took from sort of being the focus of the show at Mahalo that maybe you started to look at as you've gone into your career um yeah I guess it definitely was the first time that all of the focus was was on me um which was definitely a learning process um I that's kind of where I learned to really communicate with an audience and and kind of we didn't, we didn't have too much trouble with trolls, fortunately. It was still pretty early back then. And we were we were a big show, but we weren't like a massive show that was getting like crazy traffic. So, you know, when things kind of blow up, the, the troll quotient goes way higher than, yeah. than normal when it gets that kind of attention. Um, so we had a pretty tight-knit, like close community, which was great. Um, so I, I really think I learned there not only how to kind of produce and learn how to create content um, outside of a regular studio environment, but also how to wrangle and really promote the show on our own uh, without the aid of a big, you know, promotion team or, or ad sales team uh, like something that CNET would have. So you kind of just learned a bit of everything there in a way. Definitely. I just want to take a quick break to thank our first sponsor for this week's episode of the show, and that is Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO12. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, designs, and more support. They have beautiful templates for you to start with and tons of style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. Squarespace takes care of hosting, SEO, and even makes your site automatically look great on any device. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you want some help, over 70 Squarespace employees are on the customer care team based in New York City. Squarespace truly cares about design, and it really shows throughout their whole site, which they're always updating with fun new branding that has won numerous design awards. They have two brand new iOS apps for Squarespace customers, Squarespace Blog, which lets you easily draft, post, schedule, and review posts, as well as 
monitor and manage comments on your blog. Squarespace Blog is fully integrated with Layout Engine, allowing you to easily format text on Markdown, tap and drag images within your post, and modify detailed post settings on the go. And also, Squarespace Metrics, which allows you to monitor website analytics like KPIs and page views, and unique visitors, projections, and charts for your websites. They're all at your fingertips. As well as iOS 7 updates for their other apps, Note and Portfolio. And don't forget about audio collections for musicians and their amazing new 3D visualizer for shipping if you use their commerce platform. As I said earlier, you can try Squarespace for free, no credit card required, and if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. And make sure that you get 10% off and support the show by using the code TALLYHO12, that's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O-1-2. So thank you to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and Command Space. So, Veronica, from Mahalo, you went over to Revision Free. Mm-hmm. Is that right? I've got the timeline right on there, haven't I? Yeah, I left, um, I left Mahalo uh, in 2008 and in the same week joined Revision 3 and also started doing core on the PlayStation Network. So how old was Revision Free at this point? It's been going for a few years, right? Yeah, um, they had had, I mean, Techzilla had been around for maybe six months or so, um, I I'm, I'm think I have my, my time right in that. But yeah, they had been around for a couple of years. Um, Dignation was their, was their biggest hit show um, with co-founder uh, Kevin Rose, of course, and Alex Albrecht. Um, so yeah, they, they had been doing a lot of content. They had, you know, Pop Siren. I think Epic Foo was, was on that network at that time. Um, so they were, they were really picking up a lot of the big, the big podcasts and early video shows and, and making them part of the network. What attracted you to Revision 3? Well, I loved the people I worked with. Um, I had known Roger Chang, who was my producer on Texilla, uh, and Patrick Norton from when they were at DLTV um, back in the day. So I, I used to go on that show occasionally. Roger used to work for CNET for, for GameSpot. Um, that's where I met him initially. So I was just excited to get to work with people who I knew and who were creative and who I knew we could make like a fun, entertaining show um, that people could get behind. And it just seemed like a really great environment to to try new things and to to be a part of this new like podcasting web video world. Um, and it was. If my memory serves, like at the time that you joined, Revision Free was kind of like really growing, and there was an office and stuff that was set up and things like that. Is that am I right in remembering it that way? Yeah, I mean they're still in the same office. <laughs> um, yeah, the, it's. I mean they they started very small, but they. I mean now of course they're part of Discovery Network, so they're they're part of a much bigger organization yeah. um, these days. But yeah, it was it was kind of the early days of that. It was the early days of of most kind of web video. Um, you know, YouTube had only been around for three years at that point, um, so that was still a whole new like world that people have were just figuring out how to use i mean mahalo daily wasn't even on youtube at first we just did our own like blip.tv stuff um so it's kind of amazing how yeah that wasn't it wasn't typical to use youtube for web video shows i mean that was still more in the realm of animal videos baby videos (laughs) and and like weird stuff it wasn't really a platform people were using as much for for web content it's kind of strange to hear that like especially like blip tv and stuff it kind of feels like there was never a time without youtube now i know yeah i mean even when i first started working at cnet youtube didn't exist like i remember like um listening to an episode of leo's show i can't remember what it was called at the moment i think it became net at night with amber MacArthur, and they were interviewing like steve chen and chad hurley like it was such it's it's strange to imagine now like with how big youtube is that there were other platforms at one point 
Or that you could even have an interview with those guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you could just like email them and they'd just be on your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> As if that is even remotely possible now, right? Exactly. With uh, Texilla, did you have, like, I know that you said it had started before you joined, but did you have a role in, like, shaping the show as time went on? Um, I mean, yes and no. I think it has not really changed all that much. Um, you know, now it has changed a lot uh, in the past six months. Um, but before that, I mean, we've kind of kept the same format of the show, for better or for worse, for the past six years. Um, so... Yeah, we had our format. It worked. It was a very traditional kind of television format, um, like three different blocks of content uh, separated by advertisements. And that's just kind of how we did it. But yeah, I mean, we we wrote and created all of our own content. Um, you know, we, we had resources, but we didn't have a ton of resources. So I think that's part of the reason why things didn't evolve maybe as, as much as we would have liked them to. Was Techzilla like your full-time thing at Revision Free? Or did you do other things while, while you were there, like on a daily basis? Um, no, I've always been a contractor, so I was never full-time at Revision oh, okay. 3. Yeah, um, so I've I've hosted other shows throughout the years, um, most recently Factor Fictional um, on the network, but yeah, Texilla was definitely my main gig there um, for the past six years uh, and the thing that maintained, um, but yeah, never, never a full-time employee. So how many years were you with Revision 3 in total? Six. Six. It changed a lot during the time, right? I mean, I... I remember they like they started to bring in sort of YouTube um, kind of stars and stuff, and they had their shows on there, um, mm-hmm. and it it kind of moved away from some of the longer format stuff into shorter f- format shows. What was yeah. it like going through this sort of change? Did you feel it was just moving with the industry, or do you think that Revision Theory was trying to do different things? I think they've always been trying to figure it out. Like I, and I still don't know if they have figured it out. I, I mean, I, I love the company. I think they're they're great people over there. But it, it is a very fickle industry, and, and mm. attentions are so so short on video content that it's hard to figure out exactly what's going to work. And yes, they brought in a lot of YouTubers. They they cut down the number of in-house productions that we were creating um, in studio. I think like Texilla is one of the only shows still using the studio space at Revision Three. Um, D News has has been very successful um you know the discovery branded content um so yeah i think they're still trying to figure it out um what they what they want to be exactly did things change when like dramatically when discovery acquired revision three um yes and no i mean they definitely got the ability to hire on more people and 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 work on different kinds of shows um and of course they had access to the back catalog of all of the discovery content um which was very helpful for some of their like animal shows on on animalist and and on the science shows um but overall it didn't it didn't change what we were doing at Texilla very much and you have recently uh departed from Texilla right yes what was like is it just the case that you just wanted to move on to new things or like was you know was it just your time were you done with the show in that regard yeah i mean it was just time to try something new um being at one show for 6 years is a, it's a very long time and um even though i was a contractor and had the ability to work on different projects at my whim really um mm. I had nothing completely tying me down. I, I could do anything whenever i wanted because i really only had to be in studio one day a week um 
I feel like the association was still very strong that I worked for Revision 3. Um, and, you know, it was funny, the, the, the day I left, I started getting a lot of, lot of emails from people being like, oh, he, we'd like to talk to you about working with us. We'd like to do this and that. And I'm like, huh. I always could have done this. <laughs> Where are you? Wow. It's a total optics thing. You know, people just sure. kind of assume that you're tied down to, to one kind of project, um, especially if that's your most forward-facing project. So it's, you know, it, it has brought on some new opportunities, which, which I'm excited about. Um, I do miss the people. I mean, you know, Roger and Patrick are still, you know, family to me mm. and I, I love them dearly, but yeah, it was time to, to try some new things. It kind of seemed like day one proved it, right? If you were getting, I guess so. Yeah. You know, getting more work coming through. So, um, you do have some, like you mentioned some other projects and you, you briefly mentioned Sword and Laser um, mm-hmm. a moment ago, which is a show that you host with, with Tom Merritt. How did this show sort of come into be into existence? It's been around for a long time. I mean, we started the book club portion of the show um, back in 2007. So while I was still at CNET, uh, Tom and I decided that we wanted to work on an outside project together. And we figured out, you know, we both loved science fiction and fantasy, genre fiction, and it was something that we were really excited about. And so we started Sword and Laser. And um, it started out just as a book club, and then it moved on to uh, being a podcast in early 2008. Um, and so, yeah, we've been doing it nonstop ever since. It's a monthly book club. We pick a book either in the science fiction or fantasy genre. Um, I'm the sword. He's the laser. He picks the science fiction books. I pick the fantasy books. That's kind of how it's always been. And then we talk about them with our audience. We do kick up, kick off and, and wrap up episodes of the books. Um, you know, during the month, we interview a ton of authors and, uh, Last year, or 2010, um, we started doing, was it 2010 or 11? I can't remember. We did the YouTube show for Geek and Sundry, and uh, that was the first time we had really done a video aspect of it, which is funny because Tom and I both work so much in web video. It seemed like it made sense, but we just never really had the opportunity or, or the budgeting to, to make it work. Um, so we were, we were very happy with the outcome, and we built this great set, and... Um, Unfortunately, Geek and Sundry had to kind of like rejigger what kind of shows they had on their YouTube channel. And we were not one of the ones that, that were able to maintain into a second season. Um, but we've kickstarted it, and we had a successful Kickstarter. We raised almost $50,000, um, so we're able to do another 12 episodes on our own that will be on our YouTube channel. And um, I'm just happy that we get to continue the show and get to you know, keep making content uh, very much on our own terms. When you do something like the Kickstarter, which was incredibly successful congratulations like, thank you is it when when you're able to raise this sort of money up front does it mean that you're able to spend more time on creating it because you know that you know you can afford to do it like if you just started do if you just you and tom decided okay we'll bootstrap this and hopefully mm-hmm. it will work out and we might make some money i assume it's a lot easier if you can if you can crowd sort of crowdfund it beforehand yeah, I mean, it's it's nice because it's completely our own timeline now. We don't have YouTube breathing down our necks. We don't have anyone else looking at the content or telling us how, how we can do it. Um, the only people we have to answer to now is the audience and ourselves. Um, and so that makes things a lot easier, a lot more flexible. Um, we can kind of choose our own release schedule. We can do all of our own booking um, and it's harder in many ways, but it's also a lot more liberating in a lot of ways. Um, and I'm I'm really excited to to see how it works out. Yeah, like you kind of lose maybe some more resources, but you gain, you know, you gain a hundred percent control of the content, which is maybe sometimes well worth anything that you lose. Definitely. Um, the audio show is currently hosted at Boing Boing, if I'm 
correct? In yes, that is new. Yeah. So it's to my memory, the show's moved around a lot. Like <laughs> Sword and Laser, like both the audio and the video shows, they kind of you know they've, they've well, bounced about. Yeah, so definitely the video show. I mean, we were on Geek and Sundry, and now we're not. And the, the, that's really the only two changes there. Um, the audio show has always been a member of the Frog Pants Studio family, um, which is another collection of audio podcasts and uh, fans of those shows. Um, we still definitely consider ourselves part of that family, but there was no monetary agreement or, or anything uh, involved with that. Um, but now with Boing Boing, we're, we're part of that network. We're going to be part of their, their ad system as well. Um, so that's something something we won't have to handle just on our own anymore, yeah. which is really nice. Um, so we still consider ourselves a spiritual member of the Frog Pants family. <laughs> <laughs> but we're part of the Boing Boing ad network and uh, the Boing Boing podcast collective. I, I'm not sure what we're calling ourselves. Thing. Um, but yeah, thing, <laughs> yes, exactly. Before we continue, let me just thank our second sponsor for this week's episode, and that is HostGator.com. HostGator is a premier web hosting provider. If you're looking to start a website, HostGator can get you started with monthly hosting plans, one-click installs, and tons of other features that make getting your site up and running easy. If you're a more advanced user or a business, HostGator can take care of you of resetter plans, VPS, and dedicated servers. HostGator guarantees 99.9% .9 uptime, no matter your size needs. If you're a WordPress user, you're going to love their one-click installs and optimized hosting platform. When you host with HostGator, you get unlimited disk space and bandwidth. They have free site builder tools that are super easy to use. But if you find yourself needing any help, they have 24-7 support to ensure everything is running smoothly. So head on over to HostGator.com to learn more. And when you decide to purchase, don't forget to use the coupon code CMD12 and you'll get 30% off everything at HostGator. Dot com. I believe earlier on uh, that you mentioned Gizmodo Gadget Testers, which is a BBC America show, right? Is my understanding. I didn't mention it. Maybe you mentioned it. I'm sure. Well, well, maybe I did. Well, I've mentioned it again <laughs> now. Um, so this is a traditional TV show, right? It was. It was a pilot. It was. One, it was oh, okay. one episode, really. Yeah. So, what was that like? What was to do something like that? Was that your first sort of TV? Uh, like TV gig or had you done previous TV work before that? Um, it was my first kind of like episodic TV kind of thing. Um, I've done a lot of like on camera stuff for, for the news and for like, you know, HSN, like shopping segments and stuff with products. Um, so like not, not TV in the, in the sense of it being like something that could get picked up for a season. Uh, so this was my first real like TV pilot, um, and it was it was pretty wild. I mean, it was a big production, and I think that's part of the reason why it did not get picked up because it seemed like it was very expensive to make. Um, but yeah, I, I came into that project pretty late, um, and it was it was wild. I mean, it was a lot of fun. But and I wish we had had the opportunity to to make more episodes because I think once we figure once we saw the final product, we're like, okay, this is good. This isn't the show I would have made, um, but I see why they made it the way they did. And, you know, hopefully we'll have another opportunity to do something cool like that. But I, I see why it didn't go forward. Right. I, I'm, you know, I have no illusions as to why it was not successful in the way we wanted it to be. Um, but I think if we had had more time, we could have made it into a really cool show. And uh, speaking of BBC America, you recently uh, got to host the 50th anniversary programming on, of Doctor Who, right? On BBC yes. America. I imagine that was kind of like 
a sci-fi nerd like dream come true. <laughs> I thought you were going to say wet dream um, and you would absolutely be, be correct. Um, yeah, it was insane. I mean, that was that was definitely the biggest thing I think I've ever done um, in terms of the most viewed thing, yeah. the biggest deal kind of thing. Um, and I did not screw up on national television. So that was great. Bravo. Um, and yeah, I, I think it was it was pretty well received. I mean, obviously, the show, The Day of the Doctor, was very well received. I think some people were like, what is this pre-show business? Why am I watching this? Who are these people? Um, but the people who did enjoy it really liked it. And, and so I was very pleased. I assume you were extremely nervous taking this project on. Yeah, I mean, live TV is always very scary. So sure. that was, it was a bit nerve wracking, um, but I was up there with some great people and, and we, we kept the conversation going and I had, you know, very smart people in my ear at all times in case something went wrong. Um, so that was, you know, it was, it was a great crew, a, a great production. It was, uh, the Nerdist actually was the produ production company okay. um, who worked on it. So it was BBC America and Nerdist Productions. Um, so it was, yeah, great folks. Do you enjoy this type of sort of presenting work? I do. I do. Is it something that you will hope you do more of in the future? Yeah, absolutely. If they if they keep asking me, <laughs> I'll keep doing it. How does working in television differ to like podcasting? Are there similarities, you know, with with especially like with the way that you produce Texela? Um, there are some similarities. I think it's a lot more you can be more of yourself, I think, in podcasting. You can, you know, be a little wackier, have a little more fun with it. TV feels a lot more I don't want to say professional. I think it's more, there's more expectations about like certain behavior on, t on television. And I think I kind of grew up in a podcasting space. And so I have to put like my TV hat on when I do that kind of thing and, and realize that a wider audience may not get some of my appeal <laughs> that yeah. I typically have in podcasting because it's like, like, why is this lady acting crazy and using funny voices and talking about poop? Um, so it's, you know, it's a different, it's a different audience. <laughs> There's a certain level of expectation that comes with television, I think. Right. You kind right. of maybe have to respect a little bit. Yeah. Um, where in podcasting it is a lot more sort of like down and dirty and, you know, people are just used to very peculiar things happening. It's um, much more personal. Podcasting is a lot more personal. You can really be yourself and your community expects that. Um, with TV, it feels, yeah, there's, there's different, a different set of expectations, I think. Is it fair to say? Do you like? Do you have a preference, or are they just wildly different enough that it's hard to compare? They're very, very different. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess with podcasting, I'm so used to having all of the control that going into a TV space, I have to relinquish some of that and be more of a mouthpiece for what the content is, rather than. Do you, do you kind of see what I mean? Like, yeah. I like they definitely want your personality in it. But you have a, it has to go a certain way, especially in a live television kind of situation. Like there's a prompter, there's things you have to say, there's, there's advertising expectations, there's, you know, a time limit. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's very precise. Yeah. Cause in podcasting, a lot of that sort of stuff can be loose and can kind of happen as the show is occurring, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you need to go an extra five minutes over, well, that's, that's not a problem typically. Right. Know, but but in TV, that's just not an option. You'll just get taken off the air. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you'll you'll screw up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like well, you didn't get to finish the show because now it's ended. Right. Congratulations, right. big guy. <laughs> Another show has to come on, so you better be done. Yeah. So what what's next for you? Like what what sort of projects are you focusing um, your eye towards? Are you looking at independent stuff or sort of more mainstream media things? Have you sort of settled on a path yet, or are you just kind of taking it as it comes? Yeah, I'm, I'm really taking it as it comes right now. I mean, it's the holidays right now, so things are a little bit on the slower side. Yeah. Um, people are kind of settling in. But, um, gee, my dog is, like, flipping out. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear her, like, scratching. She's not – so she has a kennel in here that she sleeps in, but she's not locked in the kennel. She just went into it, and she's just – I don't know what she's doing Dragging there. the kennel around. Now she's, like, staring at me from the doorway, like, Are you Mom. talking about me? <laughs> yeah, um – what was I talking about? Oh, the right things next. Uh, yeah, certain laser is a huge um, thing that I'm working on right now because we're ramping up for the second season. Yeah. We're also publishing a short story anthology that's coming out soon. Uh-huh. Um, so we're we're working heavily on that. Um, but I'm also gearing up for CES, which is coming up in January, oh. um, and it looks about 95% like I'm going to be working with a with a new outlet that I haven't really done uh, stuff with before that I'm really excited about. Um, it's not not a done deal yet, so I can't really talk about it um but i'm yeah happy to be you know doing something cool in the tech space for ces again it'll be my ninth year in a row which makes me feel really old um but yeah it's it's, it seems like a really great group and and i'm actually excited for ces for once which i haven't been excited for probably since my first ces (laughs) why are you excited this time because I think we're going to do some different kinds of content right. and uh, instead of just like the run and gun product discussion on every single thing we see. Um, so I think it'll be a, a different kind of experience than I've had in the past. Maybe like, you know, you won't get horrendously ill afterwards. And, like, Maybe. That-, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> that would be wonderful. So if people want to keep their eye on, on these new projects and all the new stuff that you're going to be working on, where is a good place to go to do that? Um, probably Twitter. I'm at Veronica on Twitter. Um, also my blog, veronicabelmont.com is where I post, uh, most of the video projects that I do and, and updates on the blog over there. Awesome. Veronica, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And I want to thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Command Space. Um, if you want to find show notes for the show, you can do that by going to 5by5.tv slash cmdspace slash 74. Um, I am Mike Hurley. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks again to Veronica for joining me. Thank you all for listening. And I'll be back with another episode of the show next week. Until then, bye-bye.